So today we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to be less giving a Dhamma talk and more facilitating a few exercises that we'll do together. And the idea is that we're, you know, the reason for that <laughs> is this whole month is about taking refuge in the Sangha. And I, my hope in this experiment today is to, you know, to cultivate that sense, that we can be intentional about cultivating a sense of sangha together. So we've all come into this practice in different ways. And I was just reflecting before we began that, you know, I know different people who've really started, you know, whatever it is you call your spiritual practice, or your seeking, or whatever, however you call this thing that we're all doing, um, some people began, like myself, in groups. You know, I began with a retreat, and right after that retreat, I was, you know, I was pointed to a group, a sangha, that met just like this one on Sunday mornings, except I was in D.C. at the time. But then I know other people who've begun their practice, you know, as individual meditation sits. Uh, I know people who've never sat in a group just for years, you know, they sit alone. They, that's what they do. That's their practice. And then, of course, we're all here together today. And groups have had varying influences. You know, the sangha, the sense, have had varying influences on all of us in our practice. One, there's an experience I had as a kid that I want to share that, I don't know, the, the felt sense of it, which you might get in my story, feels a little bit like the awakening to a sangha. I, you know, I grew up as an only child. And so, you know, it was me and my parents. And, you know, I didn't really, I, you know, I, I had all this family that, you know, especially on my mom's side, she, I knew she kept track of, you know, all the second cousins, even the third cousin, she knew all their birthdays. But there was a trip we made to India where a lot of that family was yeah, about, you know, about two-thirds of my family is probably there. And I'd gone to India before on these visits, but this, this time I was, I think I was six years old. And it's the first time I was really, you know, like I could really notice what was going on around me in, you know, in some conscious way. And I just remember being astounded to meet all these family members who knew who I was and knew, you know, who my parents were and how they were connected to us and how all these other cousins were connected. They knew each other. And it occurred to me that they kind of had that sense of it because they had grown up in this shared sense of family. Like They had grown up with this idea that this was all family. And even if I was somewhere else, and, you know, there were a bunch of us in various countries who weren't there in India, you know, but... The ones who were in India had all paid attention to this. They kind of knew where all these folks were. And I didn't really have a sense of that. You know, like I didn't really have a sense of all the people in India. I was like struggling to remember names, let alone birthdays. Goodness, um, how old people were and how they were related to me. That was the hardest thing in the world. But it, when I came back from that trip, I just remember having this sort of expanded sense of self, you know, that I, I was part of this bigger thing. There are moments in which Sangha has been that same experience. I just wanted to call that felt sense of it in. You know, when have you awakened to the idea that you're not the only person sitting and doing this? You 
know, have you ever had a moment in meditation when you've realized, oh, gee, all these other people are meditating at the same time as me at this moment? What about in this group when you sort of recognize, oh, gee, you know, I'm just, and some, in one level, I'm staring at a screen in front of me, but I'm not really doing that. None of us really has that sense, do we? We're staring at each other. We have this notion of being together in this group, as we said. Sometimes you can really feel that. Okay. I wanted to, so that's just a little bit of uh, story. I want to read just a few quotes that came up uh, both when uh, those of us who do these talks in the mornings were meeting and also things I encountered as I was preparing for this and listening to other talks. One that struck me was, um, I don't think you can practice without sangha. Someone said that. I don't think you can practice without sangha. Sometimes we might even think we're practicing without sangha, but are we? And we're sitting and meditating and feeling our bodies. and We're sitting together you know, on this Zoom call. Are we ever really just in our bodies? Are we never entirely unconscious of the fact that we're in the presence of each other on this Zoom call? That one really struck me. Another is, eventually there's a place where it's too hard and you need others. This came from one of our LDLs as we were describing practice. Right? The ways that we support each other. There's another quote. This one was James Barrett's. He said, my individual work deepens practice, but Sangha broadens it. So there's this very visual image, right, of these two ways in which we cultivate this, this body <laughs> of practice, right? You can't just deepen something without broadening it also. If you're digging a hole, anyone who's dug a hole to plant a plant knows this. You have to go wide to go deep, too. <laughs> so I wanted to take a moment and say, so a few, we're going to do a few things today. One is an exercise that i just like you to reflect on on your own, so I'll give a prompt. And uh, in preparation for that, and then another will be a, um, an exercise that we'll do together as a group with this video. And in both of these, I wonder if it might be good to get a pen or have some way to write. So let's take a moment, you know, if you need to go grab a pen and paper, great. If you're gonna do it on your screen, that's fine too, right? You might, uh, you might have a way to write on a notepad or notes on your screen. You might even, if it's just easiest for you, you can click on the chat button and type your notes and just not hit enter. Of course, you run the risk of accidentally sending it to everyone. <laughs> but there are many ways in which we might be able to write. So I'll just take a moment and let everyone, if, if you want to, uh, to, to just grab a way to, to write and jot notes. Right. Okay. And as we get together 
for this first exercise, I'd encourage, so we're going to be looking at the folks on this Zoom call. <laughs> and so first I make this encouragement that anyone who can and feels comfortable uh, turn on their video. And I know not everyone can. There are technical reasons why you might not be able to. And it also just might not feel comfortable. But if it's possible for you now, uh, my encouragement is to turn on your video. And, and once you've done that, to go, you know, somewhere on your Zoom, there's a button. For me, it's in the top right that says View. And if you click on View, you can choose to view the gallery. And you can expand your screen so that you're looking at, you know, all the, all the, the videos or the pictures of people who are on this call. For anyone who can't turn on their video or chooses not to, we can, you, know, you, you can see their names, sometimes a photo. So, as a first instruction, expand your screen as much as you can so you can see these images. And just go through and look at, look at the folks who are here. Take a moment to do that. It's funny, you know, this is something that we can actually do way better on Zoom than in person. It would be pretty uncomfortable to have to stare at every person who's around you in a room, right? But we can do that a little bit anonymously on Zoom. No one knows you're looking at them. <laughs> Just take a moment. Some of us are here perhaps for the first time. Some of us have been here just a few times. Some of us have been here for years coming. And sometimes when I join a group, especially if I'm new, but not even necessarily, there's this question in the back of our minds. Do, we belong, do I belong here? we welcome everyone here just as they are, but just to note that the people you're looking at may be asking themselves that question. You might ask yourself as you go through, what's going on inside me as I look at everyone? Am I connecting? Am I, am I feeling a sort of aversion or a nervousness or difficulty? Am I othering? Am I seeing commonality? Am I seeing how we're different? None of this is wrong or bad. It's just how we react, right? Just noticing what's happening. Maybe nothing much is happening or it's hard to sense. And I'd ask you not to exclude those who uh, may not be visible or may not have their videos. You can see the name and note that there's a person behind there. And lastly, I'd ask you to soften your focus so that you're looking at the whole page of folks rather than any one individual. 
Perhaps in this context, just as we did during the meditation, you might offer a wish of wellness if it feels comfortable for you, if that feels available. May we all be well, or may we all feel welcome. you can write something down now. Um, I'm just noting that you have that material perhaps in front of you. And I'd also, I wanted to ask a question for solo reflection, for your own reflection. The question is, when have people on your path moved you forward, supported you, or touched you deeply? I'm going to post that question to the chat. And just, just to note, when we're thinking of these people on your path, when we're thinking of Sangha, I just wanted to reflect on many groups that we could be including in this reflection. There's those of you around you today in this group, There may be others you sit with regularly. There are friends and loved ones. There are teachers, teachers we include in our Sangha. There's the worldwide community, this wider community of practitioners, seekers. You might think of individuals in that group. We might think of the whole of community when we're thinking of what supports us. And there's this lineage of practitioners that come before you and stretch after you. From the Buddha to those before the Buddha. (laughs) Those in other lineages, other practices. Those beyond us, those who come after us. Give you a couple of minutes just to write, reflect, sit, contemplate. When have people moved you forward, supported you, or touched you deeply?
First, if, if there's anyone who has anything they want to share, anything they wrote that they'd like to share, either on that question or even a reflection on the exercise before, I'll open a moment for that. So you can either raise your hand and I'll, I'll call on you. Um, you can chat something. You can copy and paste something you've written into the chat. You could, and if, if either of those is difficult, you could unmute yourself too. Yeah, Lyndall, go ahead and unmute yourself. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I noticed during the exercise, and it was really subtle, it wasn't like a big overwhelming thing, but after sitting there looking at everybody, there was this sort of feeling of warmth I felt. But what was really nice was there was also this feeling of warmth coming back at me, mm. kind of recognizing that people were also seeing me and feeling that same kind of kindness, you know. Not a big, huge, overwhelming feeling, but just really kind of gentle goodwill. And that was really, really nice. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lindell. That's lovely. Yeah. I, I wonder if others can relate to that too. Yeah, I see some nodding. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing two things, aren't we, when we do that exercise? We're looking. And sometimes it's all we can bear to look, but we're also receiving. Right? There's that feeling. Yeah, Jerry. Uh yeah, likewise, uh, what Lyndall was saying. And uh, in addition, it, it, it was like just having that intention to connect, to say, oh, this person is out there. I mean, I basically go about my life and navigating from from my eyes, you know, just going through life and just pausing and realizing that, oh, there's other people out there. Uh, I, I, I saw that as valuable, just that intentionality. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, which kind of caught my, you know, interest as we reflect about how people have uh, supported me. Uh, I have, I thought about different people in my life, people that I, I see as models. I also saw, I thought about a, a brother of mine who is kind of a, a difficult person. Who also supported me in kind of oh this this strategy of life doesn't work and uh, you know I, I see the things that he does in, in relationship to other folks and it was it was like a model of uh, knowing well okay that's that's where that path leads I found that as helpful ironically thanks yeah. But that makes, that's a really good point you're bringing up, Jerry. There's this, there are all these different ways people are supportive. And, you know, as a society, if you just think of like the evolution of humans, <laughs> we learn as much from the examples we don't want to emulate, right? <laughs> we learn how we want to be in this world in all the ways by being in community, right? Both the ways that we, we, we get moved towards and maybe moved away from. 
Yeah, that's very powerful. Thank you. Sean and Bruce. Hey, um, I remember when we first joined um, the Sangha, the Sunday morning Sangha. Um, Did they freeze? I don't know. Oh, they might have frozen. I thought we were taking a deep pause, but yeah, you're right. That's they a freeze. <laughs> Sean and Bruce, I don't know if you can hear us, but we've stopped being able to hear you or see you move. Maybe we can come back to it later. Claire. I really liked what Lyndall said. That was so interesting because it never occurred to me to um, feel the warmth coming back to me. And then, uh, uh, I mean, I would have done it if I was directed, but but it makes me see how um, my own um, my own like my own well-being I consider uh, private and kind of my problem so I love that that Helen just said that like no it's not (laughs) (laughs) it's a wonderful way to receive what Lyndall said yeah yeah we so often do this don't we it's it's fine to give out to others and it can be harder to receive or to really let ourselves be received um, or to just notice it you know maybe it's just a matter of noticing that there is this receiving that's going on there is this way that others are wanting to support us and we can open to that <laughs> we can let ourselves be seen and let the warmth flow to us Suze, yeah. I wanted to um, respond to your second question about where I've been helped along the path. And there are so many examples. But the one that really stood out for me is when I have felt the passion of the practice from others. When, like, somebody has just come back from retreat or um, you're you're in a breakout group and somebody really has something big to share and you feel that, um, that the, the Dhamma is doing it in them, you know? And, um, the example that came up for me was back in the old days when Rodney had gone off on his first sabbatical was like a sabbatical. He went, he left and went on a long retreat. And he came back, he was on fire. I don't remember what he said, but I remember the fire. And there's that that kind of when we when we feel that fire in us of the path when that yeah, so and and I have felt it from a lot of you. So thank you. 
Thank you, Suze. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're reminding me too of just the way in which um, there's this almost alchemical way that another person's energy or passion can ignite us. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. So we'll take uh, Sean and Bruce. Yeah, I know you froze last time, so we didn't hear any of that. And then Helen, and then maybe we'll, that'll be the last one for now. We'll have more time later. You didn't hear anything? No, we heard, uh, the only <laughs> thing I heard was that I remember when we first uh, joined this Sangha. That was that it. Right was after it. that, there was this pause, and I was there waiting, thinking, Bruce, you were going into this deep, reflective moment, <laughs> sitting there with you, just in that pause, and then I realized, well, no, Sue's pointed out that you were frozen. <laughs> I went so deep that we froze. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so the, the second time we ever came on, um, I was we were greeted by Sue's. Oh, good morning, Bruce and Sean. And it just warmed my heart. Um, and I've, uh, we don't have a sangha where we live, so um, it, it just felt part of something, not so alone. And and the way that you greet everybody every Sunday morning, it just um, touches me really deeply. It makes me feel like I'm part of a family. So thank you. I didn't freeze. <laughs> I say ditto. Ditto on what Bruce said. <laughs> I'm going to ditto that too. Suze was the first person who greeted me when I came in person to the old Soto location. And it, it was that warmth that, that made me come back. Yeah. Helen. Good morning. For me, I, I started writing a long list, um, but what struck me as really particularly interesting is that my list starts with seeds being planted because before I started practicing at all, I can think back to the first time in my life when a friend who was a practitioner talked to me about it and planted, it was like this seed. And then another friend in my life who was talking about their own experiences and planted another seed. And so just people that I know who were practicing, um, even though it was years later before I started to practice and experience Sangha personally um, or the practice personally, it's like those little seeds kind of retroactively propelled me forward. So like the timeline is, I don't know, it's circular or it's somehow timeless. Um, but those very first introductions uh, were really powerful seeds, I think, for me. Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing. How many people can relate to that here? I have said, so, oh, look at all the hands go up. Yeah, yeah. That, that feels so true for me, too. Yeah, there is the before my practice. There are the seeds that were planted. And so many of them in so many different ways. How many things had to come together to get me to this moment here, right? Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So it's 10.58, and I wanted to have time for our breakout groups in the way that we normally do them. So we already have plenty of material, um, but I did, 
I did want to mention uh, just one other question, one more question. And you can choose to talk about this question in your group, or if there's something burning in you from the previous prompts, you could talk about that too. Um, but I'm going to post this question here. The question, I'll say it out loud first. What do you know from your, and I have to tell you before I say this, I took this question from another teacher. This is, I'm, I'm trying to think of who said this. I'll give credit when I remember, but I, this isn't, this question did not come from me. It is, what do you know from your experience that one, you know to be true, and two, that keeps you on the path, that gives you faith, whichever of those phrasings connects to you. So I'm gonna post it and say it one more time. What do you know from your experience that you know to be true and that gives you faith or keeps you on the path? So before we break into groups, actually, let's do this within the groups. Um, no, no. So while I'm arranging breakout groups, I'm going to ring a bell and the invitation is to sit with the question and maybe write or just reflect for a moment. And in that time, I'll create breakout groups um, out of the 21 of us who are here and uh, assign people to those rooms. And I encourage you to stay. If you, do, if you can't, uh, you can reflect on this on your own and bow out, and that's fine. Uh, but I would encourage you to see if you could stay and join these breakout groups. Welcome back. I like those string lights behind you. Are they hanging from the ceiling? They are. They started as a winter um, hall, you know, celebration for part of Christmas decorations. Yeah. And they've been up for years now because any time of the year you turn off the lights at night, it's kind of like having stars on the, on the ceiling. <laughs> so they, they're permanent now. That's great. At the last place I lived, I did that same thing. I put them up for the holiday season and then like, I just left them up. And I don't know why I didn't do that here. They really are nice to have all year. Yeah, it's great that you're inspiring me. <laughs> Maybe I'll put some up. Welcome back, everyone. Our, Jerry. Uh, our group never heard any type of thing of, you know, stopping, you know, to start in. Oh, did everyone else not hear too? We got a message. You got the message. I sent the message as a backstop in case it hadn't happened. We didn't hear anything, and we had our eyes closed. But yeah. fortunately, one person had oh, their eyes no. open and then saw, yeah. So. Message. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so we yeah. have to work on that little tech. have to figure that out. Yeah, Zoom sent me a message saying if I hold down B, 
it'll broadcast to everyone. So I did that. But there's another way to do it, and I'll do it that other way in the future. Did everyone get a chance to talk at least a little bit? Did anyone actually just sit the whole time? I mean, if you did, I guess you sat together as a group the whole time, and there's that too, right? <laughs> um, but I wanted to open this time to, to anything that came up in your groups in particular that you wanted to reflect on, or anything else that didn't get said before that you wanted to say. Yeah, Lillian, I see your head go up. Uh, yeah, I think something that came up in our group that was uh, reiterated a couple times is just this idea of there is suffering. Um, and I, I connect to that, I think, as that first part of your question with what do you know to be true? And uh, I think that's something that others in our group mentioned as well. Um, and then I think with what keeps you coming back, I think for me, it's sort of this understanding of the cycle uh, of which was mentioned in our group of, as well of like, how true I realize it to be that hindrances arise and self arises and uh, existence persists, I guess is the best way I can put words to it. And uh, just just having heard that articulated to me through the Sangha has sort of kept me thinking that there's sense to this and little by little, there is like a greater sense of equanimity or maybe even joy with, with practicing. So. Yeah. Let me see if I heard that and sort of say it back. It's this idea that, yes, there's suffering, and, but, but also we keep, we keep persisting. And that was the idea communicated that kind of keeps you on the path, keeps you going. Just knowing that, yeah, okay, there's suffering. I can relate to it. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah. 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 I can relate to that. I remember... Um, Someone, yeah, and it was another person. It was a dear friend who I think once pointed out to me that particularly when things are hard, you know, it, it can feel like, you know, it's almost a permanent state or that things are, things are going to end, <laughs> you know, and this idea that, hey, okay, this, this occurs, we persist, we continue through it, um, and also that that's impermanent. Right, that whatever suffering is there is impermanent. That that really that really touched me. And it sounds it's similar. It's not exactly what you're saying, but I think what's in common is this came from a person. This came from Sangha. <laughs> this reflection, and it's been a support. Yeah, thank you. Lauren, I see. Did you understand? Yeah. yeah. I just like to say that I like the idea of having a pause of silence, you know, like a, a minute moment of silence before we start in. I like the idea, so I hope we find a way to um, make the end of that pause <laughs> terrible. Because <laughs> I, I think that was a nice thing. Um I, some of you may practice insight dialogue, and the first step is always pause, relax before you actually start into the dialogue. And I think it's a nice 
it's a nice way to start. So we in our group, I will just say that we decided to, um, because we didn't hear the bell, we decided to just look at each other and get that um, connection, that visual connection that was shared in the big group. So. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I have an idea also for how it might <laughs> go better in the future. I'll share that when, you know, at some logistical moment. <clears throat> <clears throat> Thank you. I also like that pause. I um I remember at one point wishing I could start every meeting <laughs> that way. <laughs> if only that were appropriate. Mm -hmm. Kathy, did you unmute intentionally to to say something? No. Okay. I wanted to share something if there's nothing else that's come up. It's just, um, I was thinking before, before this talk, you know, I'd just gotten in the state of mind about this. Oh, I see you, Suze. I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak in a moment too. That um, not everyone has the sense of Sangha, their connection to Sangha. So I wanted to share um, some ways of building and I think, Lauren, I think, Lauren, you're talking about that in more detail next week, aren't you? Yeah, so we'll have a whole talk on that next Sunday as well. Um, Suze, why don't I let you go before I let you talk before I, before I share? Well, I wanted to, to share that not only what I shared in my group, but then another person kind of amplified it, which was really helpful. I talked about how learning to pause and not believe the initial response in my head to whether it's sense experience or mood or emotion or exterior events or whatever, the learning to pause and um, question what has automatically come up. And then another person in the group said that that gives one a kind of power. And I, and I, I feel that that's a true thing that the power, not so much a personal power, but it it's like a strength and a confidence that when we do that over and over again, it builds more faith and confidence because we, we experience for ourselves sometimes the nutso response that first comes up and then the pause and then the go, oh, well, that's hooey, you know, what are, where do I really want to go with this? And just the, the power, um, the other person shared the power, but, and I translated that for me as building more confidence. Yeah. I like both intent, both reflections there. Thank you. Yeah. There's this idea of creating space so that, yeah, we don't say the first thing that comes out of our minds. We, we choose. Going to say and there is also i like this idea of power um, sometimes it feels like in a pause i'm also sort of mustering myself you know i'm building my own energy um, before continuing and speaking I, can, I don't know what was meant exactly in the power statement but that's that's where i go with that yeah. lillian nikhil 
Um, yeah, I think one, I really related to what Rindle shared about the warmth with the, um, you know, just looking at everyone and kind of practicing with that and into small groups as well. But also I think as equally present was this incredibly strong sense of like uncomfortableness with it. And um, I just, it was really interesting to me how kind of both were present that even like you mentioned, if this was in person, it would be incredibly awkward to be like staring at everyone. And even over Zoom, I was finding that like, it felt like it was this weird violation of like people's personal space. And, um, it, but it was like both at the same time that were kind of present. And um, it was interesting how that, that, that uncomfortableness sort of started to fade a little bit towards the end as it kind of became, because it's just like, I feel like it's this it's a completely different thing from what we typically do. Right. And it's a very different social um, community type of interaction and, that uncomfortable has started to fade as it became a little bit more, um, as I, I guess settled a little bit. So yeah, that's what I noticed. Yeah. Thank you for that reflection. Yeah. I'm not at all surprised to hear that. How many other people felt a little uncomfortable doing it too? I certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little discomfort there. Yeah. Many people raised their hands. Yeah. I was thinking that, you know, you know, when I was asking to reflect, what are you feeling as you go along this? It, it makes perfect sense to me that there's a discomfort there. Uh, I, I, a little story is um, there was a, oh, we're at 1127. Maybe there's no time for my little story. I, I was going to give an example of when I had to do this in person at a retreat or a workshop and how incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable it was, but that they, the same kind of thing happened in the kill. Like toward the end, people, people really got into it, you know, having to look at each other and connect on that level. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to say just a brief word about, you know, connection to Sangha and building Sangha. And Perhaps I'll mention it as part of the announcements because it actually flows very well to the announcements we're meant to do anyway at the end of, of these sits. So uh, moving into the announcements section, um, there is on April 15th, a day of mindfulness. And this marks the end of the beginner class that Tim is teaching currently. And so this is a beautiful example of Sangha. Right? This is everyone who's taking a beginner class at Sims having an opportunity to meet those of us who are here already. You know, it's being it's this being welcomed, right? Um, so if you want to attend, the whole idea is that experienced practitioners, beginners within this group, and the beginners in that beginner class uh, all come together on this day of mindfulness, April 15th. Another thing to mention is um, Clear Mountain Monastery has their calendar. If we want to extend our Sangha and our idea of who is part of our practice to, to that community, I'll, I'm going to send a, post a link to it right here. This is their calendar, and it shows the events, the regular events and other events that occur uh, through their next coming month. And relatedly, I wanted to mention just opportunities at Sims to build Sangha. There's always volunteering. 
And this is a wonderful way. As many of the people in this group have at some points volunteered. And uh, it's a wonderful way to build connection and build Sangha. If you feel like Sangha is something that you could have more of in your life to support your practice, there's one way you can do it intentionally and also be doing some good, helping us out. There are the Kalyana Mitta groups, the KM groups, uh, which are described in more detail for the sake of brevity. I won't mention it too much. Uh, but on the Sims website, you can find more information about how to create or join one of those. You can also reach out to us um, if that's if that's uh, something you're interested in. There's also simple ways meditating at the same time as friends, right? Scheduling a time when you sit together. Myself and my partner, we listen to talks together at the same time. We just schedule a time when we're both going to hit play and know that we're together. Just some ideas. And Lauren will have many more of these next week. Lauren will be talking about this as part of her talk. Okay, a note on Dana. It's 11.31, um, so I'll be very quick. A note on Dana. Sims uh, offers these teachings freely. They're free to anyone who uh, wishes to hear them. And, but if you can and are moved to, uh, you can donate on the Sims website uh, to any of the teachers or to any of us. Um, who are the local Dharma leaders. And lastly, let's end with an offering of metta. And I don't want to rush through this, knowing, of course, if you have to leave, you have to leave at this moment. But particularly when we're devoted to Sangha, taking a moment to settle yourself. Extend your thoughts of well wishes to everyone here in this group one final time. May all of us awaken to truth and to goodness. May our coming together be of benefit to everyone in our lives, including ourselves. and to all beings everywhere. Thank you, Sangha.